Good morning and welcome to the Morning Briefing. It's Thursday, June 16th, and it's episode 184. I'm Phil Brandt, and with me, as always, is your friend and mine, legal expert, Burt Garland, shareholder with Ogletree Deacons. Together, we bring practical, timely, and accurate insight into today's workplace, as it is our goal to keep you informed so you can more effectively lead your organization. Today's topic, conflict resolution easy topic. I'm sure most of us experience it in one way or another, and I'm being sarcastic when I say easy. It's one of the most difficult things we all deal with uh, deal with in the workplace, and our workplace is prime for conflict as new stressors show up every single day. Conflict's just unavoidable. How do, I'm sorry, excuse me, but how we manage it makes all the difference in building stronger teams and avoid losing good people. Today's poll question, we do have that for you. When we think about recent events such as pandemic, uh, um, the division of the, or the, the conflict of the 2020 presidential election, increased usage of social media, inflation, war, et cetera. I mean, the list goes on and on. Are you experiencing more conflict today than you have in the past? Uh, we have several options for you to choose from. No increase in the number of instances, nor the severity of conflict. Yes, an increase in the number of incidents, but not the severity of conflict. Yes, an increase in the severity, but not the number of incidents of the conflict. Or the last and final option is yes, an increase in both the number of incidents and the severity of conflict. We'd love to get your insight on that. We will share those results with you near the end of the program. And Bert, I know that there has been, and we talked about it several times uh, during um, the Black Lives Matter campaign, right before the presidential election, we had people wearing buttons and badges and hats and masks and, and all these different issues with Black Lives Matter. And I have heard that there is a um, NLRB administrative law judge decision on June 10th related to Home Depot. Um, and I'd like to get some insight from you on that because I think our listeners should be aware of this because we talked around it. We weren't sure which way this could go. And you gave us some good advice and, and I'd like to hear the outcome of that law judge's decision, please. Sure, thanks, Phil. And so I have to be a little bit measured in my comments on the uh, on the decision from the administrative law judge because my firm handled the actual case that was litigated before the administrative law judge before the NLRB. And uh, the administrative law judge to kind of get to the, the meat of the matter concluded on June 10th issued his decision that uh, Home Depot was justified in requiring the employee and suspending the employee until such time as the employee removed the Black Lives Matter insignia from his uniform. Uh, everybody who's shopped at Home Depot knows that uh, the, the folks who work at Home Depot wear the orange aprons. And on the orange apron, the employee in this case had put Black Lives Matter BLM initials on his uniform and uh, refused to, to stop wearing that when instructed by Home Depot. And I, rem I remember when that happened, because yeah. um, I think we even talked about it because it made national news at the time. We um, did. It, it did make national news. And, and the advice that I had given on the program to people, and my advice still remains the same on this today, is just prevent it all. 
and and one of the arguments that was made in this particular case is that no matter what side of the political fence you're on, uh, at some point somebody's going to wear something that you find offensive. And an example that I used, and this is going back, you know, several a, a couple years on our program here, uh, and we talked about it at the time. The example I used is is that you as a is a HR professional or a higher executive within the company that supports the Black Lives Matter movement, and you may be adamantly opposed to anything uh, relating to uh, the Confederate flag. And what happens when somebody shows up at work wearing a Confederate flag on their uniform? And if you allow the Black Lives Matter insignia, might you get yourself into a position where you're going to have to allow the Confederate flag insignia? And I'm just trying to pick two examples. I'm not advocating <laughs> to wear either Black Lives Matter or Confederate flags in the workplace. In fact, my, my advice is the, the opposite, to prevent it all so that you as the employer don't get involved in a situation where the employer is taking a political stance. I think it's a bad idea. It creates a situation of potential inconsistency. And frankly, you may walk yourself into a different type of claim of discrimination that you had not even thought about uh, initially. But the bottom line is, is that the administrative law judge in this case, and again, I'm gonna stick my comments very closely to the decision here, the ALJ, and let me, let me also just explain real quickly the process. When the National Labor Relations Board gets an unfair <clears throat> labor practice charge against an employer, and it, mind you, this particular Home Depot location, as with virtually all Home Depot locations, is non-union. Okay, right. so the National Labor Relations Board and the National Labor Relations Act applies equally to unionized facilities as it does non-union facilities. And in this case, uh, this is a non-unionized facility and an employee or someone on the employee's behalf filed an unfair labor practice charge against Home Depot, alleging that Home Depot violated this employee's Section 7 rights. We've talked about that on the program many times. The Section 7 rights that employees have under the National Labor Relations Act are the rights to engage in what are called protected concerted activity. This particular employee and then the NLRB picked up uh, the unfair labor practice charge and issued a complaint against Home Depot over this allegation. When the board actually issues a complaint, a National Labor Relations Board judge, known as an administrative law judge, then presides over a hearing over that complaint. And so that's what happened in this case. And the National Labor Relations Board litigates the case on behalf of the board and in this case, on really on behalf of the employee, uh, and they were advocating, the board was advocating that this requirement by Home Depot to remove the Black Lives Matter insignia from the uniform violated that employee's Section 7 rights, the right of that employee to engage in protected, concerted activity. What the administrative law judge ended up deciding in the case and again, I will stick very close to the judge's decision here, is that that was not protected concerted activity because it did not involve a complaint about the employee's terms and conditions of employment. What it was, was a political statement. And the judge went to great lengths to show uh, what Black Lives Matter 
is and that it's a, a political organization. Uh, and it advocates many things other than, uh, than terms and conditions of employment. It's a much broader political movement. And at the end of the day, that is not protected concerted activity. In order for it to be protected concerted activity, the employee would have to relate whatever the employee is wearing on their uniform, using as a form of protest, to the employer's terms and conditions of employment. So if the, if the individual was wearing Black Lives Matter because the employer discriminates against Black people uh, in its terms and conditions of employment, it very well may have been protected concerted activity, but that's not the case here. If they were wearing Black Lives Matter insignia uh, on the apron uh, to protest, protest any type of uh, term or condition of employment, then it could be related to work. They would also, it would also have to be concerted activity. So it would be protected. And then if multiple employees were doing this, it could be protected concerted activity. But here, that was not the case. It was a broader political movement. And, because it uh, was just simply Black Lives Matter. It wasn't Black Lives Matter supports higher pay wages for Home Depot. Correct. Maybe. That's Better exactly benefits right. for Home Depot, those types of things. For, for Black employees at Home Depot. And right. so they, the, the, the key there is, is that in order for something like that to have been acceptable, they have to tie it to the terms and conditions of employment in order for it to be protected concerted activity. And so what this means now, now let me let me put this in context here. The National Labor Relations Board can appeal that decision into the federal court system. Uh, that would go to, I believe, a, an administrative law judge's decision goes right to a court of appeals, not to a district court. So it would go right to a court of appeals and then could go up to uh, up to the Supreme Court. And I believe also that uh, this appeal would have to be appealed to the, to the uh, federal D.C. circuit. There's a federal circuit that sits in, in Washington, D.C., only in Washington, D.C., and appeals from the National Labor Relations Board, which is based in Washington, D.C., go up to that D.C. circuit, and then the next step would be the Supreme Court. And the NLRB can appeal this decision, and I won't be surprised if they do appeal this decision, given the uh, Biden administration and the direction of the National Labor Relations Board under the and Biden head, And the headline of this, right? I mean, you have one of the, the nation's largest retailers um, and as well, one of the more popular political activist group in Black Lives Matter. So, I mean, it keeps it in front of, uh, it keeps it fresh. I think there's it, some of that as well. I know there's a lot of money involved, but it keeps it fresh. It, 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 you're correct on that. I do agree with you on that. What's interesting is, is that when Home Depot and other employers were uh, taking these actions back when it, when, when it occurred by banning uh, these types of insignia in the workplace, there was quite a bit of media coverage uh, calling out these employers, including calling out Home Depot. Interestingly, I really have not seen much press on the ALJ's decision outside the legal community. There was, uh, you know, I, I like to check both sides of the political spectrum. News sites as, as, a, as an attorney, I always like to know both sides of the argument and both sides of what are going on, out, what's going on out there. And uh, outside the legal circles, this case has not garnered much attention except for one 
major news outlet did run it as one of their top stories. Yeah. Now I know our friend Dave is out there and he doesn't believe that you do that at all, Bert, but <laughs> nevertheless, I, I know you do because pre-show we always talk about both sides of this and, and we try to understand it, which is the core of what we will get to here in just a second as it relates to conflict uh, resolution, but you're right. And I do remember this was a major issue for us and I'm sorry about any background noise. Someone may hear here, there's construction going on in our building um, but nevertheless, I mean, this was a major news source at the time, um, and it was national news across all networks um, and very, very little. You have to dig pretty deep to find the, the resolution that has been uh, determined here. So the, the takeaway for our listeners, if we break it down, Bert, what, what should the takeaway be for our listeners as it relates to their workplace um, uniform policy, um, I'll, I'll call it there, you know, allowing buttons, hats, all these different statements that sometimes are political. Um, would you have advice? Yeah, my, my suggestions would be, of course, I'm not giving legal advice suggestions. on the program, but yeah. my suggestion would be, uh, or my guidance, thank you, Nick, uh, my guidance would be that, uh, that, that employers stay out of it that employers should not be wading into these issues. A company is not in and of itself uh, anything other than a legal entity that exists on paper. Uh, what a company really is, is made up of all kinds of different people from all kinds of different backgrounds and races, religions, abilities, disabilities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And for every employee that agrees with uh, one political message, you probably, probably, given how, how divided this country is, you probably have another employee that disagrees with it. And my suggestion to employers would be not to wade into these issues. Uh, you might walk yourself into a different type of claim of discrimination, uh, or you may promote what we want to talk about today. And this is a great segue into it. You might be promoting uh, a form of conflict in the workplace uh, that you as the employer then are going to have to deal with. Um, and also you may create a situation where employees who oppose uh, what you're allowing in the workplace are engaging in protected concerted activity uh, if they oppose what you as the employer uh, sanction or allow in the workplace. And so my advice or <laughs> my suggestion or guidance to employers is to stay out of the issue. Now, one thing, one of our listeners asked a very, very good question in the chat here. I mean, I would even classify this as a brilliant question by this particular listener who really? is very intent. Yes, and they, the, the listener says, what about an anti-vaccine logo? And that one is really an interesting decision because if the employer is requiring employees to get a vaccine, that becomes a term and condition of employment. And so if you are opposed to the vaccine uh, and you wear some sort of insignia on your uniform that has like a, a COVID-19 with a needle, uh, COVID-19 vaccine with a needle and a circle around it with a line going through it, uh, I do think that, uh, that, that that could arguably be protected concerted activity 
because it is protesting a term and condition of employment. Certainly, I think it would be protected and that if more than one employee is wearing that insignia, it would become concerted. You're acting in concert with another employee about the terms and conditions of employees. So I really do think that that's an interesting uh, question there. I think that somebody protesting the COVID-19 vaccine, uh, the employer's requirement of having a COVID-19 vaccine could arguably be protected concerted activity. Yeah, and, and I think we have to be careful. I know when we get into those things, um, you know, we allow people, I, mean, I think about the vaccine, I gave blood today stickers, I voted today sticker, all these things start to come in place. And what you allow as part of a, a workplace uniform and or standard of behavior as well. Our listener, hold, Dave. Hold, 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 hold on one second, Phil, before you get to, to Dave's comment in the chat, because I, I do want to address that for sure. Yeah. Let me just stop, though, on what you just said. One of the things, and I've litigated this issue with the National Labor Relations Board many years ago, and one of the uh, issues in particular that the board focused on, the union was seeking access to the employer's facility to engage in hand billing during the union campaign. And the employer in that case kicked the union out of the facility. They filed, the union filed an unfair labor practice charge against the company. We litigated that case tried the case before an administrative law judge of the National Labor Relations Board. And what the union argued in that case is that the employer had permitted other third parties to enter its facility for the purposes of solicitations. And in particular, they allowed a uh, shoe vendor, steel-toed boot vendor, and a safety glasses uh, company to enter its facility to sell those things to the employees. And they also allowed the United Way into the facility for charitable purposes. What the administrative law judge said is because the employer opened its facility to other third parties on two occasions uh, for, for, to for-profit companies, private entities, the employer needed to open its facility on two occasions to allow the union to engage in hand billing. What the administrative law judge stopped short of, however, it is requiring the employer to open up its facility a third time because the employer allowed United Way in there. The, and what the administrative law judge made a distinction on is that this was a charitable cause. Uh, and I think it gets harder and harder these days to distinguish between what is a charitable cause and what's a political movement. But I do think that there are some circumstances where an employee, you know, for instance, an employee who goes and donates blood and then uh, wear something on their uniform uh, that says, I donated blood today. I think yeah. that there is a difference. I think the administrative law judges would stop short of that and say, that's that an employer uh, who chooses to allow that type of insignia on the uniform, uh, that is not a political message. Yes, it's not protected concerted activity either, but it is a political message. It's not a political message and therefore, uh, it's acceptable in the workplace if the employer allows that, and it does not prejudice the employer down the road if they ban things like Black Lives Matter or the Confederate flag. Right. So I think the answer I just heard is I donated to Black Lives Matter today is okay. All right, let's move yeah, on. Not, um, close, not even close, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, listener Dave, who we were just uh, poking a little bit of fun at, has been in the chat line here with us, and he's asking, Bert, 
And I want to get to this real quick, and we promise uh, three tips, and I want to talk through those as well. Um, that, do you think the outcome would have been different um, if it would have been uh, a First Amendment claim, um, which allows and encourages personal um, decoration of those um, on those orange aprons? All right. So I told you I wanted to get to Dave's question, and here we go. So Dave uh, is, is a private employer. Uh, a non-governmental employer, employees do not have First Amendment rights in the employment setting. The employer uh, has the right to tell an employee, you cannot engage in political speech in the workplace. Uh, you don't have a First Amendment right to uh, engage in free speech in the workplace unless it relates to some form of harassment, discrimination, or protected concerted activity under the law or whistleblowing under some other law. The, you do not have a constitutional right, First Amendment right to free speech in the workplace in a private employment setting. If the individual worked for a governmental entity, uh, then I do think uh, it, you, you for sure have First Amendment rights if you work for a governmental entity. So here, Home Depot is a private employer. And yes, I know they're a publicly traded company, but even though they're publicly traded, they are a private employer. And so this employee did not have First Amendment rights to wear the Black Lives Matter insignia. There you go. All right, let's move on. We uh, promised some tips and there's really a lot to talk about conflict resolution. This is why our training programs um, are quite expansive in this area. But let, let's just talk about tip number one, and it centers around policy. Um, you know, we have there's different policies we should have, Bert, as it relates to conflict resolution, open door harassment, discrimination. Just just talk us through those three um, procedural and policy um, options and the importance of them? Yeah, some there are some organizations out there that have a more formalized conflict resolution policy. And I don't prefer that because a conflict resolution policy is much more procedural in nature. We've talked before on the program many times, Phil, that when I see an employee handbook and I review an employee handbook, one of the things I try to strip out of that employee handbook is the procedure because I don't like locking the, the company into a rigid mechanism that it must follow in every instance. Because of course, every complaint of harassment, discrimination, whistleblowing, uh, or other misconduct or conflict is its own unique situation and may merit a different type of response. And so I don't wanna lock the company into this rigid mechanism that they need to follow each time. What I would rather do is not have a formalized conflict resolution policy, but deal with conflict in the workplace uh, under existing policies. And you mentioned a few of them. Number one, having a really good open door policy. And the, an open door policy usually would make reference to the fact that we as the employer believe that one of the ways to handle uh, conflict or disputes in the workplace is to address them quickly and openly. Uh, to have a discussion. And that may lead to an individual gaining a better understanding of why the employer did this or didn't do that or allowed this or didn't allow that. Uh, and so you kind of, the idea behind that is to, to try to give that employee 
quote unquote, their day in court, their opportunity to be heard about something they don't agree with in the workplace. And they may not ultimately agree with what the employer did or didn't do, but at least they would have an opportunity to address it and gain an understanding of why the employer did or did not do something. Yeah, so and I think, I think the, the, the other thing I would add to that, it's not always employee to employer. In my experience, uh, um, most of the conflict I've experienced in the workplace is from employee to employee, more than it is employee to employer. The employers seem to have gotten very good over the last 20 years with these types of policies and following the law and being compliant and really making good decisions along the way. But these same things apply when it's employee to employee, which is really damaging to you know, your workplace culture uh, and productivity. For sure. And I think that that's where you want to also have policies talking about the workplace culture and that if people see things or are subjected to things in the workplace uh, by either management or by coworkers or frankly vendors or other third parties, customers, uh, that they need to take advantage of the policies that are already in place. And so the first step there is that open door policy. And then, of course, we have we, we go even further with harassment and discrimination uh, and EEO policies that if there's something that rises to that level or falls into one of those protected categories of age, race, religion, national origin, disability, uh, I know I'm probably uh, forgetting one sex. I, I, I think I forgot that one. So, you know, if, if, if it falls in one of those protected categories, the employees can then take advantage of, of making a complaint under that mechanism. The third one, of course, would be that it's become more popular uh, to have a policy on lately is uh, bullying in the workplace. Yeah. And when employees are subjected to bullying and uh, misconduct by coworkers or just simply don't get along with coworkers, you already probably have these policies in place that would cover or aid you in trying to facilitate the complaint making its way to the appropriate uh, people who can then deal with it. But then that, of course, uh, leads us to our second point, Phil, which right. is training. And so, yes, it's one thing to have these policies. And you've heard me say on the program dozens of times, and I, no, I'm not going to say it depends. Uh, I'm going to say something else here. You've heard that, me say- That would be multiples of dozens. I mean, yes. on and on and on, depends, 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 depends. Exactly. So what I will say on that is, is that what's worse than- what's worse than not having a policy at all is having a policy that you don't follow. And so if you have these policies out there and you put them in your employee handbook, if you don't follow them, you're going to really have an uphill battle uh, if you are having to defend your employment decisions in court. Uh, and what I mean by that is if you have these policies in place, but you don't train your managers and supervisors as to what these policies mean, the types of conduct that they need to be on the lookout for, uh, you are, are actually harming yourself by having these policies in place because you're failing to follow them. You're failing to follow your own policies. And so it's very critical that you as the employer, when you put these open door policies out there, put the policies against harassment and discrimination, your EEO policy, your policy against bullying, it's critical that you uh, go ahead and uh, train the supervisors on this 
so that number one, they know what to look for. And number two, they themselves either know how to deal with it, or more importantly, they know when to advance it and get HR involved. And HR should be trained at a higher level on how to deal with these types of conflict in the workplace. Right. And I know the best organizations we work with have tip number one, they have policies, they understand them, they enforce them. Tip number two, they provide training, not just to management and supervisors, but employees on the policies and the resolution processes, and they know where to go when. And then the third piece, and this really becomes important, is investigating. The third tip, investigating. Um, And investigating is something that isn't something everyone knows how to do. You have to learn how to investigate. Um, And I know what I've learned through investigation came from two channels, one through my safety accident investigation and really learning how to be an investigator. And then two, by working with legal advisors and and going, oh my goodness, why didn't I ask those questions? Oh, why didn't I think of that? Um, And so sometimes during the investigation, it's good to get the help of an outside source to help you investigate. Is there any other important tips in investigating, Bert, you want to emphasize? Yeah, and I think this is where I get back to the policy itself. There are a lot of companies out there that in their harassment and discrimination policy, they detail what their investigation would consist of. And I don't like that because, again, that's procedural in nature. And every one of these complaints of harassment and discrimination, they're all unique. They're all different. And the investigation of that complaint is likely to be unique and different. And so I would not have a rigid mechanism set out in the harassment discrimination policy other than to say that all complaints of harassment and and discrimination will be taken seriously and will be investigated. In some cases that investigation may consist of nothing more than simply saying, uh, meeting with the employee who's making the complaint and telling the employee That's not harassment or discrimination. Your supervisor has an absolute right to tell you that you need to be better at work. You need to do your job. Uh, In other situations, you may have to interview not only the person making the accusation, but you may have to interview the person being accused and 10 other witnesses. And so I would not have any detail about what the investigation will consist of. And then part of the investigation that leads into the final step here, Phil, and that is that employers need to be prepared to take what's called prompt and effective remedial action uh, to nip these problems in the bud, whether it's harassment, discrimination, bullying, or just simply employees not getting along at work. uh, Employers need to be on top of that stuff because those things are the things that tend to spiral out of control. It may start as two employees just simply not getting along, Uh, It may start as an employee who walks in wearing a Black Lives Matter insignia, and that leads to an employee the next day walking in wearing a Confederate flag insignia, and now all of a sudden you have a much, much bigger problem in the workplace uh, that could, frankly, end up being uh, a discrimination uh, or harassment uh, type issue. And I know from my own experience in helping employers out around the region in that space, 
often when we get involved, it is something that was not dealt with promptly and we didn't provide the right resolution and therefore it festered and it became a bigger issue. More people get emotionally charged and now it's really blown out of proportion on something that could have been resolved quickly. So the key message is don't ignore it, jump on it, get it resolved. And, and get your business moving forward. Real Nick, real quick, let's see the poll results. Uh, some interesting results, if you'll read them off for us before we say goodbye to everyone here. Yeah, it looks like uh, the majority has seen no increase in the number of instances nor the severity of conflict. And on the other side, you have just about split evenly on those that have seen an increase in the number of instances, but not the severity. And about a fourth of us have seen both more instances yeah. and a little bit more, you know, a little more te teeth to it. Yeah. And I believe this is probably only going to heat up with political season in front of us and so on. So we will, we'll keep an eye on that. Hopefully those tips help you out, Bert. Great insight on bringing full circle the Home Depot scenario. Dave, thanks for your contributions. Uh, we have comments in here uh, still from Renee and Pat. We'll try and address them next week. And thank you very much for joining. We'll see you then at 730 Central Standard Time. Tell your story. Promote your products. Communicate with your employees and customers vividly, dynamically and powerfully whether it's a company video recruitment video online training or live meeting feature group can help you from scripting to highly polished finished production whether it's live or on demand we have the skills and equipment to wow your audience and drive your message home feature group usa the one-stop shop for all your broadcasting needs